0: I love, this is my favorite Sunday in the whole year. I know that some people hate this Sunday, uh, time change and everything. I've got one buddy, uh, I kid you not. um, He says his whole mission is to run for political office uh, just so he can get high enough to eliminate time change altogether, um, which is pretty passionate. But I came to River Valley and y'all had this thing called lose an hour, gain a taco. And my whole attitude changed because you had me at gain a taco and so my favorite weekend of the year now and uh so i love tacos so um hope you're enjoying them too but if we've not met yet my name is ben johnson i'm one of the pastors here at river valley and it's an honor to be with you this morning and to get to share the word this morning and so uh we're going to be in matthew 12 uh, 9 this morning and so if you want to go ahead and turn there and be prepared to do that we'll have it on the screen as well And so you can look there when we get to that time. But while you're turning there, I'll give you a little backstory as to why I felt like we were going to look in this passage today. So, for uh, a little while now, um, just in my time with the Lord and reading and prayer uh, for a few months, I've just felt like uh, He was stirring me to look at the different places uh, in the Bible when Jesus was here on earth and He was doing healings and ministry and miracles and different things like that. So I just started to look at those and started to see uh, different patterns and repetition and, and consistency in those stories. And anytime you see that, and we teach this in our connections group, when you see those patterns and repetitions, those are important things to pay attention to. Those aren't there by accident. Those are, uh, they're very on purpose when you see lists and, you know, repetition like that. And so, uh, one of the things I started to see, and you'll, you'll see this about seven times, in fact, uh, in when he's ministering to people and doing miracles and healings, is about seven times he does it on the Sabbath, uh, on that day of the week in particular. And again, that's not on accident. There is a very strategic purpose of why he did that. And so I started to to look at that and ask, like, what, what was the reason for that? Why, why on that particular day for that reason? And there was an encounter he was having with the religious leaders in particular and they did not like this and we'll get into that. Um, but I started to dig into there and what was going on here? And so as I was doing that, it, it came time here for where I was gonna uh, share with you guys and it, it did not seem on accident either that what I was learning, what I was gathering uh, in that study with the Lord and time with him is there was something for us. To have together that wasn't just for me it was for me to share here um, and so I'm excited to share that with you honestly I could have picked any of those seven stories um, I just decided to go with Matthew 12 um, because there is a lot of again consistency there's a lot of repetition there's a lot of similarities between those stories that will we'll talk about some but I want us to look at uh, Matthew 12 9 but one more thing before we get there um, that I don't want to take for granted is what is the Sabbath we don't have time to unpack the Sabbath and the, the purpose of it. And uh, that could be a whole sermon in and of itself, or maybe a whole sermon series. But because I know many of you, some of you, and um, we come from different backgrounds, different traditions. Some of us have grown up in church our whole life, but even that, you know, I've, I've grown up pretty traditional Southern Baptist. I know many of you have Church of Christ, Episcopalian, Presbyterian. Uh, Catholic. Some of you haven't grown up in church at all, and this is kind of your first church experience. All that's great and okay, and I love that. I love this tapestry we have here of people and coming together in faith. But because of that, I don't want to take for granted that when I just say the word Sabbath, we are all on the same page of, of what that is or what we're talking about there. So Sabbath, that word is just simply, it means rest. But we can look back all through Scripture and see kind of what God has given us there. It, it is really a gift that God gave to us in the earliest of time in Scripture. Back in Exodus 28, we're all pretty familiar, I would think, with Moses, a figure in, in the Bible. Even if you're not as familiar with the Bible, you probably know Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments or maybe Christian Bale or Prince of Egypt. We, we at least have some familiarity to know a figure like Moses or the Ten Commandments. But, you know, remember the sabbath and keep it holy is one of those 10 commandments and so it, it really is not just a commandment it is that it is a law but there's a reason for it it was given to us as a gift to rest to have a rhythm in our week to model rest but the reason it was given to us it was actually modeled to us by god from the earliest earliest of time you can look in genesis and see God modeled this for us in creation, in the beginning of creation, when he created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it, on that last day, God rested. Did God need to rest? No, he was, one of the things he was doing, he was modeling for us this, this rhythm and then the commandment he gives to us and then we see it played out all through scripture. And so there's this picture of Sabbath I want us to kind of have and understand as we go into this teaching that Jesus does. My wife and I were able to travel to Israel several years back, and it was an unbelievable trip that we got to do. We, at the time, were partnering with um, some awesome congregations there called Tents of Mercy, and they have several, we would call them campuses here, but they would call them congregations throughout all of Israel, Messianic congregations. So they, they like us, believe Jesus as Messiah, as a Savior. And so they, their goal and their mission, like ours, is to share the good news, the gospel with the Jewish people there throughout the land. And so we were there partnering with them, seeing them, but we also got to tour uh, the land. And I mean, there's nothing like being on the Sea of Galilee in the boat, somebody playing worship music, you open your Bible and you're reading the stories of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, right? I mean, it hits different. (laughs) And so it was pretty incredible. But while we're there, I noticed we're there when they celebrate Shabbat, Sabbath. There traditionally on Saturday, we usually do it on Sunday, We don't have to split hairs and get legalistic about that it's all good okay but on saturday there um i noticed something there was an exchange that people would have on shabbat and they would say something to each other this type of greeting a shabbat shalom shabbat shalom shabbat is rest shalom peace but there was this almost understood exchange beyond just it seems weird to be like rest peace rest peace You know, that seems strange, but I was asking about what is this thing that you all kind of do together? And they explained that it it was this uh, kind of, uh, again, greeting that means, um, I'll put it on the screen here, like, may you be restored to wholeness on this restful Sabbath. It was this beautiful exchange back and forth with each other on a grinding week, just this normal thing that we tend to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and kind of having our normal rhythm There was this understood on the Shabbat, the Sabbath, may you be restored to wholeness on this restful Sabbath. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's like God knew what he was doing when he gave us this gift. So Jesus comes and starts to do these things, ministering to people, doing things with his disciples that was a little out of bounds according to these religious leaders, and they didn't like it, and they start to have these disagreements and encounters, and that's where we'll pick up in Matthew 12. Let's look at it together. Matthew 12, verse 9. It says, moving on from there, anytime you read something like that, it's good to kind of know what he's talking about. So we don't have time to unpack it, but go back and look at this before this verse, okay? Because actually Jesus has an encounter with these Pharisees, these religious leaders. These are people, they know scripture. They teach scripture. They know the law. And they are upset with Jesus because of an episode that just happened with his disciples in the grain fields on the Sabbath and something they said he was breaking the law, okay? So go read that because Jesus uh, has a pretty powerful moment there. But moving on from there, Jesus enters their synagogue. The synagogue is similar to a place like this where they worship, where they read the word, where they teach the word, okay? They pray and goes into their synagogue and there he sees a man, who had a paralyzed hand, some of your translations might say a withered hand, and in order to accuse him, these religious leaders, high influential religious people, wanted to accuse Jesus, they asked him this question, hear the question, okay, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You can feel the arrogant snarkiness, right? And hear Jesus' answer to them. He answers like he does a lot of times. He, he rarely, even with us, rarely gives a, yep, or nope. Lots of times he'll give a, a word picture or some other teaching. And he's not being rude. He's not being distant. He's actually being very clear. Hear what he says. He responds to them, what man among you, if he had a sheep... And that sheep fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't immediately take hold of it and pull it out and rescue it. Now, if he said that to me or some of us, what man among you had a sheep would not, and immediately I'd be like, I don't have a sheep. I don't I've never had a sheep. I don't know. I don't know sheep. But my buddy Rick Welch here, who's one of our great leaders in the church, he knows sheep. Some of you know sheep, but the people here, they, they get this. This is a rhetorical question. Nobody has to give a verbal answer here. Everybody here gets this because sheep is a major part of agriculture and livelihood here. So they understand this. There's no question if a sheep, a major part of industry and livelihood and income, were to fall into the pit on the Sabbath or not, but especially on the Sabbath, Would you reach down and pick it up and rescue it and help it out? Absolutely. You don't have to give an answer. They get it. And he goes on to say, a man is worth more, far more than a sheep with this man standing next to him with the paralyzed withered hand. And hear the answer. So yes, It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Their question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Yes, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. I love his response. So then he turns his attention to the man. And you can maybe imagine him watching this whole episode go down because he's just standing there like, I didn't ask for any of this. You know, I'm just (laughs) here at the synagogue. And he's watching Jesus, who he may not know, is Jesus the Messiah? But he knows who these guys are. He knows the religious influential leaders of the day. And he's watching. He knows that they teach law. They know scripture. And this guy's giving it to him. And then this guy turns his attention to him and says, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out. And I can just imagine watching this happen a disability he's had likely his entire life, and it's restored to full completion. It says, as good as the other hand. But then the Pharisees, these religious elite, left plotting against Jesus of how they can kill him. So we've unpacked a little of what has happened here but to understand and unpack a little bit more of what's going on. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy is one law, one gift, rule, that God gave to his people in this time for us. There were upwards of 600-ish laws and rules. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. That God gave to his people in the Old Testament that you can see to know him, to follow him, to be with him. It's worth understanding that these Jewish leaders and people, probably with good intentions at the time, created hundreds and thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, rules on top of those laws of how do we follow these? For instance, to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, how do we do that? I mean, can we eat grain on the Sabbath? I mean, can we can we do this? Well, maybe we can't do that. And so... Let's make some rules here of like, what what does it mean to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? So we can do this, but we can't do that. We can do this, but we can't do that. And there became hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules just for that one law. And then there's 613-ish of those laws with all these rules and laws and laws. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and starts doing things with his disciples and healing people, they're irate. What you're doing is unlawful. And Jesus is encountering them, and you can feel it of him going, you've created all these rules and laws so that you don't miss me, and I'm standing right in front of you, and you're missing me. When my wife and I were in Israel, we had this moment kind of realizing some of this is in our hotel room, and we were there for quite some time. Like I said, we were there when they celebrate Shabbat. And in a hotel room, not dissimilar from hotels here in America, you get on the elevator and off, you hit the button, you go to your floor, but on Shabbat, Sabbath, you don't hit the button. You're going to go to every floor, it's going to open, open, and down every floor. To hit the button is work. And so hope you're not on the top floor, because you're stopping. It's like the movie Elf, where you're just going to Christmas tree every floor, okay? I don't know if, you know, walking on the elevators work, pushing the buttons work. And so it's, it's interesting. And we could kind of wag our finger and think, man, that's ridiculous, right? And judge that harshly in some. But then I have to look at this. I have to think of this and go, I do this all the time. We do this all the time. I was talking with a great leader in our church here on Thursday, and Kay and I were having a, a fun discussion about just the traditions of growing up in church. I've, I've grown up in church as long as I can remember, which I thank God for, because I was taught Jesus and taught Bible, and I, I was saved at an early age. I'm so thankful for that, but I also got to see some interesting political things in the church early on. And so I ran into some things that maybe you did based on your faith tradition of, You know, you just kind of knew those rules of when sister so-and-so came up, you don't sit in that seat. You know what I'm saying? And deacon so-and-so who showed up at the business meeting, but not really any other time of, "I, I don't know what all this is that we're trying to do to reach people, but that's not how we do church here. And that even me, it's, we have some really healthy Things that we implement here at River Valley of we love, we grow, we give, we go. They're ingredients to an abundant life in Jesus. They're, they're wonderful wonderful, so that you can walk in uh, you know, groups with people, genuine community, giving, like it says biblically, going and serving. And, but they can easily just become checklists of reading your Bible, showing up to church, doing these things. If it doesn't connect us with God and connect us with each other, we do this all the time, these extra rules that we create and just do and walk through and do if we don't encounter Jesus and we're missing the Messiah, our savior. It's easy to just judge, but we do it all the time. And Jesus is saying, I'm right here and you're missing me. And I believe that Jesus was saying this to all the people in that day. And he's saying it to us right now are these two things, He's saying this, and here, well, relationship is more important than rules. Now, hear what I did not say. I did not say rules are not important, okay? But relationship is more important than rules. Rules are very important. We believe very much, and we love, we grow, we give, we go, obviously. we need rules, we need boundaries, we need these things that he still gave us. Jesus said in Matthew, if I can find it, matthew 5:17, he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Rules are extremely important, and we need them. Our, our tendency can be lots of times when we see things out of bounds. A great mentor pastor of mine uh, would say this all the time. He would say, lots of times when we see things out of bounds, we try to swing the pendulum the other direction, and and then we get way out of bounds this way, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We need rules. We need these things. But I think Jesus was showing them and showing us relationship is the key, and you're missing it. I'm right here. Jesus wants our heart. I think there's two ways he wants to show us this consistently throughout the New Testament. I'll give you a couple of examples. One, Jesus wants this kind of relationship with you, a father-child relationship. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. It says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, hear the words, to redeem those under the law, not to abolish it, but to fulfill it, so that we might receive get the picture. Adoptions. Adoption as sons. And ladies, don't feel left out. The the verbiage there is really like sons and daughters, children. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts so that we would cry out, Abba, Father. The picture there, Abba, is this daddy. Here in a little bit, you're going to see Perhaps, it happens almost every Sunday. My family comes second service, my beautiful wife will bring our three boys in, they're 10, five, and two, and I love it. It's gonna change later and that's okay because there's beauty in the later. But right now I love it and I don't want it to change. As I'll walk out in this lobby and they come to the second service and they come running in and I can hear my 10 year old, daddy, it's the same tone every time. And the five year old follows suit, he mimics him all the time, daddy. And my two-year-old, he's like a little sumo wrestler with this great curly hair that he got from his mama, and it's kind of a mullet, but it's awesome. And he does this like that da da da, da 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 thing, and it's awesome. And that's the picture. And don't miss it. I know some of us have had some terrible, and that's putting it lightly, earthly family situations. Don't miss it because of that. You have a perfect heavenly father that wants to redeem any of that, I promise you. But that's the picture of Abba that he's given you here. You are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter of the most high king, of the creator of the universe. And that would be enough. But that scripture finishes with not only a son and a daughter, but an heir with God. Royalty. We sang about it a while ago. I don't know if you even noticed what you were singing. No longer slave. Child. Crying father. He wants a father-child relationship with you, and it's offered to you. He also wants a friendship relationship with you. Again, that would be enough. It would be plenty. But he also wants to have a friendship relationship with us. John 15, 13 through 15 says this. No one has a greater love than this. You ready for it? There's no greater love than this right here. That somebody would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command and Jesus laid down his life for you and me. He says, I don't call you slaves anymore. You're no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer slaves to the law. A slave doesn't know what his master is doing. See, I called you friends because I've made, you, I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. And here's what's interesting. If you go and look at those other stories of Jesus healing on the Sabbath, the thing that made the religious leaders so irate was one that he was healing on the Sabbath and they had created all these rules and he was being unlawful to their rules, not the actual rules that uh, God set up. But it was also because he kept using language with God of he's my father and they hated it. They understood God as creator who gave rules and if we follow the rules, we're good. They had trouble understanding this relationship that Jesus had and wanted us to have. Father, child. I do what my father says to do. There's a relationship, and he wants that. He offers it to us. He wants your heart. He gives it to us. And so I think there's a question for us to ask ourselves as we close here. One question is who are we gonna be? And here's what I mean by that. As I read this story, as I go and have read a lot of the other stories uh, that where he heals on the Sabbath, and even just as he is encountering people and healing and doing miracles and engaging the people that day, there's some consistency, like I said, early on. And what I see happening is there's usually crowds of people listening to him teach, and watching there's somebody that gets a physical need met but a lot of people get a spiritual and emotional need met and then there's a lot of religious leaders looking on as well but it sort of ends with two sets of people left then who are we going to be one set of people they see jesus they listen to him teach They see a miracle happen, and they believe. They trust him as Messiah, that he's Savior. He's who we've been waiting for, and they're transformed. Not all of them had a physical healing take place, but they had a spiritual healing take place, an emotional healing take place. They were changed. They were transformed, and they left there telling others about him, forever changed, The other set of people, these religious elite, they knew the Bible better than anybody. Saw the same miracle, heard the same teaching, were standing in the same spot, saw the same Jesus. And they left cynical, critical, hard-hearted, plotting to kill Jesus. Who are we going to be? Jesus wants our heart and it's offered here. Lots of times when Jesus shows up and starts to move and change things, it looks different than we think it's going to look. It feels different than we think it's going to feel. But he's good and he changes things. And he works things for our good and it's miraculous and it's it's crazy sometimes. It's amazing. It's consistent with Scripture. His rules, not the ones we've created around the actual rules, but it'll match Scripture. And we can choose to believe and follow or be cynical and empty and still waiting for the Messiah. I want to pray for us here. If you'll put yourself in a position of prayer, the band's going to come back up. And I think some of us have a... A choice to make this morning and we'll go back in a time of worship I'd encourage you not to leave but to engage with the Lord and to hear from him some of us perhaps have never said yes to him at all and this morning you're feeling that tug that maybe you've even felt for some time that I've never said yes to letting him be my heavenly father to be my friend in this way that he's asking. And it's time to do that. For others of us, maybe it's, it's fallen away from that a bit. And it's time to say yes again of like, it's time to, to come back and to take a, another step towards that. And maybe it's not even falling away from it. It's just, it's time to take another step towards it. I've said yes. We keep moving forward, but there's always, that's a beautiful thing about Jesus. There's always another step towards him. We can take and get closer and more parts that he wants to heal and redeem and restore and draw you in and more that he wants to show you about himself. I love that about him. And so if you've never said yes to him this morning, I just want to invite you to do that right now. There's not a magic prayer that you have to pray. Did I say the right words? Did I do it? No. All it is is just say, I repent from my sins. I want you to be my Father, Messiah, my Lord, my Savior. You're the one true God, and I know it. I need you to come into my heart. I know you want my heart. I'm yours. I don't even know what all this looks like yet, Jesus, but I know you're the answer, that you're the way, you're the truth, you are life. And I need you. So I say yes to you right now, Jesus. I want you as my heavenly father. I am your child. I am your son. I am your daughter. Help me. I want you to be my friend. Like it talked about in that scripture. Would you come right now? Jesus. For others of us, it's time to take that next step towards him. Maybe there is some healing that does need to take place. Some physical healing, some emotional healing, some spiritual healing. Something you've been praying into for a long time. Keep asking. Jesus, would you come right now? Whatever these needs may be around the room, Father. Father, I pray specifically into that, God, for those that have had wounds, gaps, extreme difficult problems with earthly parents, I pray that right now, God, you as the perfect heavenly Father would come in and start to do a healing We trust you, Jesus, for the work that only you can do. It's only you who can heal, restore, redeem, save, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the sacrifice that you did on the cross. We thank you for dying for us. There's no greater love than that, than somebody that would lay down his life for his friend, and you did that for every one of us, God. Thank you for that. We trust you for it. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's give worship to him here as we end this morning. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.